We're live on Instagram. We're live on TikTok. How are you guys? Hope everyone's doing well. And we're going live. Ivy Angela Rivera, Ivy Rivera Psychic Medium, and YouTube at Ask Ivy. If you are uh, tuning in on another platform and you're having any trouble with the connection, please switch over to YouTube at Ask Ivy. I'm ultimately always trying to steer everybody over that way. Okay. So, um, trying to build my following over there. All right. We're going to give this a few minutes for people to tune in to tonight's service. A couple quick announcements. Here we go. We got, uh, Jan popping up here. Good to see you, Jan. All right. And if everybody could, please give this video a thumbs up, drop a comment, get get me moving here in the algorithm, and do subscribe. Uh, so we have Reverend Christina's Astrology, the Big Three class, available through video download up on the Ivy League PsychicAcademy.com website if you guys are interested in taking that learning about your three most influential planets um, in astrology, how they affect your life, how they affect your relationships. I mean, really, if you don't know these three, you kind of don't know anything is how I feel about it as far as astrology is concerned. Uh, it's the basics, okay? Your sun sign is not enough. So if you want to learn what that's all about, check out her class. It's amazing. So the big three astrology video download is up on the website. Uh, her art of tarot course is also up on the website. So, um, Reverend Christina also teaches at the Ivy league psychic Academy, a tarot course that assists you in evolving beyond the cards into mediumship, which is really rare. So a lot of people get into using the tool of tarot, which is an excellent tool. Uh, they do tend to ultimately feel trapped and stuck and as though they can't really venture out as psychics or venture out as mediums without the cards. We don't want you to feel stuck. We want you to feel as though it's a useful tool um, to, you know, help you engage even more with your psychic ability and spirit, not rely exclusively on the cards. So she is training you in the art of tarot course in both the traditional method of using the cards as well as the intuitive method, which is really going to feed your own intuitive intelligence. So check that out anytime. Uh, just a reminder to everyone who isn't super familiar with the Ivy League Psychic Academy, uh, when you guys get certified in anything from Reiki to tarot to psychic mediumship, you are automatically um, up for hire for Ivy League psychic fairs, Ivy's Healing Call Center, all kinds of spillover gigs that I have going on. Um, events that I run as well. Okay. So there's a whole lot going on there, lifelong work opportunities. 
Uh, also, my psychic mediumship course is back in person. It's been about four years. So we are back October 12th, we begin. And uh, registration is going to be wrapping up here soon. So if you haven't already done so, go to psychicmediumshipcourse.com and get yourself registered. A lot of people have questions. What does this course entail? Why is it 28 weeks? What are we going to be working on? Can you help me with this or that? Or do you actually think I have any abilities? Am I wasting my time? You know, What is this? What is this? Uh, so I like to do these uh, live Q&As where I take all your questions before I start a course. And this time we are doing that on, I hope I don't screw this up. I want to say Tuesday the 19th, which is, I think, what is that, tomorrow? No, that's in two days. No, I'm 100%. I'm positive it is. So on all platforms, I'll be doing a live Q&A on the Psychic Mediumship course Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So tune in to get your questions answered. There's also a raffle going on right now. So $2,100 value, you can win a free psychic mediumship course. Uh, so check it out. Go get your raffle tickets now. And uh, we will be drawing on the 11th. So October 11th, we will pick our winner. All right, looks like we got a few people tuned in here on YouTube and Facebook. Instagram still looks good. Uh, TikTok looks good. Can you guys give me a thumbs up on both platforms? Uh, Instagram and TikTok, please. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. Wonderful. Uh, so welcome, everyone. This is Roots Revival Interfaith. I am your pastor, Ivy Rivera. I'm a psychic medium, a Taino Arawak, and I am here with Reverend Christina Del Rey, our astrologer. How are you, Christina? Good. Glad to be back. It's nice to be back. Um, a while. It has. Yeah. So um, we've had busy, busy busy schedules. Okay. All summer. So we haven't been here as much as we've wanted to be, but, uh, we're coming back around. All right. And we have switched, uh, from nine 30, our summer hours to eight 30, a little bit earlier, you know, um, as we approach daylight savings time and, and all that jazz. Uh, so, uh, Christina, uh, Reverend Christina is going to be speaking on tonight's sermon, the afterlife from an astrological perspective and talk about some of her personal experiences uh, with the afterlife. And I will be coming more from a psychic and mediumistic perspective. So um, we encourage you guys to post your questions, your comments at the end of today's sermon, because we are an interactive church. We'll be getting to all of those questions and comments. Um, donations are appreciated. For those of you tuning in now, please do give this video a thumbs up, drop a comment, and subscribe. Again, if you are on any other platform and you have trouble with your connection, switch over to YouTube at Ask Ivy. All right, let's get into it. So the afterlife. Uh, I have always had interest in this topic, I want to say, since I was a kid going to Catholic school. I went there for a while, and I would notice some discrepancies in what I was being told uh, by the priests and the teachers and what we would all talk about privately 
um, and also what was being discussed in my home. So, you know, I started to notice things like, especially around like six years old, seven years old, you know, my brain was really processing a bit more. And between, you know, five and six years old, we become more intuitive. Our intuitive intelligence increases. So our mediumistic abilities increase. And so it was around that time, I would say, that I started to sort of analyze more of what the priests were saying and the teachers were saying in regards to the afterlife and how we should believe as Catholics or, you know, as Christians, we should believe in the afterlife, but we should never communicate with those people because that's evil. I was like, what the hell? This doesn't make any sense at all. That doesn't make any, what would be the point? And it almost suggested to me that my grandmother, who I adored and loved, who had just passed, and my grandfather, who I loved and had just passed, had now somehow become dark or evil yet they were in heaven that it just, it didn't match for me. So, um, and being very mediumistic, I was communicating with them all the time and I was getting visits from them directly, even when I wasn't trying to reach out to them. And so I just didn't have any negative experiences with the deceased and it didn't, um, I feel ever really clarify in asking questions uh, two teachers, you know, about what that what that meant, what the priests meant by that, what the Bible supposedly meant by that. Um, no one ever seemed to have answers, and it became something so taboo you were not to ask. Now at home and privately with friends, we were open about spirit. We were open about mediumship, and it was largely embraced. I remember my mother and my aunts and my grandmother going to mediums. And back in the 80s, you know, we had cassette tapes. And so they would record the reading. And my grandma would come through from spirit and my grandfather and their aunts. And they would be drinking pots of coffee and smoking their cigarettes. And I'd be hiding under the table listening to these cassette tapes and feeling so good about what I was hearing, that there was truth in the afterlife. And uh, my cousins and I would steal these cassette tapes and we would go off and listen to them, you know, on our own. And it was just a part of my upbringing. And so it never matched. Then you would go to school, a Catholic school or church, and you would pretend to be someone completely different because that was considered evil and dabbling with the devil and the dark arts, right? So the whole thing seemed ridiculous. So, uh, you know, after that, I took a lot of interest also, I think, in watching people. And I still do this today. We'll, We'll watch what people are doing in life and I will picture them deceased. I picture them as ghosts. You know, I wonder what they're going to be like. I'm like, that one's going to be miserable and earthbound. You know, that one's crossing straight directly over. This one's going to have to reincarnate quickly. This one's never going to have to come back. You know, it's, it's fascinating to watch. And, um, and I found that a lot of my clients and students, of course, right. Uh, people just have a ton of questions about the afterlife. And so, When Spirit said uh, we needed to do this as a sermon topic, uh, I was excited about it. I love this one. So I'm going to touch on a couple things uh, that I either get commonly asked or I have found very intriguing in regards to the afterlife. And then I'm going to let uh, Reverend Christina Del Rey, our astrologer, sort of take over with her perspective. Then we're going to get into your questions and comments. So again, go ahead and start posting them. Also, please uh, start posting your prayer and healing requests. We do pray 
over those and manifest for you. And um, donations are appreciated. All right. So, you know, one of the most common things I get asked about the afterlife is whether or not our deceased loved ones are actually there for us when it's our time to pass. Absolutely 100% they show up. They tend to know before you do that you're going to pass. And so they're there um, sometimes even far ahead of time. And that can become a bit disturbing or daunting for other people watching the death process of a loved one. So for example, if your uh, parent or your grandparent is in the process of passing, um, they may not actually be ready to pass that day or even for weeks or months, sometimes even years, yet they are communicating with their loved ones on the other side. Okay. So their loved ones are coming through in spirit, helping them to let go, helping them to prepare, getting them acquainted with the other side. I like to call it playing both sides of the fence, meaning they've got one foot in this world, one foot in the other world. And we also have our angels, you know, everyone has two angels that are appointed to them when they come to earth and five guides that are appointed to them when they come to earth. It's our support team. And they are also there um, at the time of your passing and um, always, okay, when we need them. Uh, but it can be a real full house for sure. So no, dying is not something that we do alone. And you can absolutely count on that, even if you um, don't necessarily believe that you're in the death process. Uh, another common question I get asked is uh, why? Do our loved ones, once they pass, seem so distant from us, maybe for the first six months or so, sometimes a year to a year and a half, it can seem as though they're coming through and they're visiting with us and they seem sort of the same. And then all of a sudden, they seem more distant. They're not coming through as regularly. The communication changes drastically. And when we do connect, they seem way above me somehow. And people have trouble explaining what they're experiencing in this, but there is generally a sense that their deceased loved one is on a much higher vibration and we are sort of left behind in a way. I think that this comes from the relationship dynamics changing where when the person was still, still here on earth with us, we sort of needed each other. We were helping and assisting each other and we were both sort of stuck here in this situation, <laughs> you know, this predicament as equals and once they cross, they quickly evolve into a spirit that is quite different and it can become unrecognizable. And that feeling, that feeling of them being higher up can even become somewhat offensive um, and feel like we don't have a bond anymore. But it's the same as with any person maybe you've ever outgrown or, you know, a situation that you've outgrown in life. Growth is part of the natural process. Um, of death. And so we want to be happy for them that they continue to evolve and try to be happy that at least they have our backs. And don't you want your loved ones on the other side to not necessarily be on the same level as you here, right? Feeling um, 
often out of control, right? Uh, but they have new skills. They can watch your back. They can work things in your favor, right? They have foresight and uh, they, they are in a more powerful position. And so I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Also, yes, the communication with them after approximately six months to a year, year and a half um, does tend to dwindle. And it's not necessarily because they stop coming around, but it's because they evolve into having these um, higher vibrational communication skills, which is what I teach at the psychic mediumship course. Okay. I like to call it the lost language. Um, they are communicating in different ways. It's not that they're not communicating at all. And we have to evolve with it. That would be the wisest thing to do. So definitely um, change there in communication and visitation frequency. Um, it does tend to lessen, but the communication is also getting stronger technically. Okay. If you learn how to actually communicate with them. So you don't need it as much. Um, I think that it's also part of the healing process. If they're coming around constantly, it could keep you stuck in a cycle where you're not healing and going through the stages of grief and letting go and going on with your life in the way that you need to. Okay. So um, they have to abide by the laws of the light if they have crossed over. Another great question I get asked, do they have to experience the pain that they caused others to feel? I like this a lot because it uh, really points right to karma and how if we're going to evolve, or in this case, if we deserve to be in heaven, if we deserve to be on the other side, you know, do we not have to suffer in what we have caused other people? Um, and I think that it's like any other karma. Karma on the other side doesn't necessarily change a lot from the karma that you're experiencing here on earth. You are at all times, every day, all day, having an opportunity to choose a higher vibration or a lower vibration. And when you cross over to the other side, you are going to have to continuously choose that higher vibration. So that's the big difference. Spirits that stay earthbound, for example, have decided no way am I doing that work. And the, let's face it, it, it's predictable because these are the same miserable human beings who wouldn't do the work when they were here. So just because they cross doesn't automatically mean that they're going to go into uh, heaven, so to speak, or choose the higher vibration and cross over to the other side, meaning, um, you know, like the afterlife um, in uh, that positive way. It could mean that they stay uh, connected to the earth plane and in toxic, low-level paranormal vibration. Um, but you could guess that about them, right? They never did growth while they were here either. So it's, it's a situation where often they will cross to the other side and they do choose the higher vibration. Let's call it heaven, okay, for lack of a better term. Um, and their karma there for any pain they've caused others or anything they haven't learned, anything they haven't finished, um, is going to really play out in the work that they do. So, for example, if you have a father who did not assist you in life in the way that he was supposed to um, and he has crossed over, he's going to have karmic debt to you. He is going to start immediately 
um, coming through to work in your life to help you to heal from the damage that he caused, to help to compensate for the losses in your life where he was supposed to support you and help you to gain access, you know, to prosperity and all these different things. And so the karma doesn't um, dissolve just because someone, you know, crosses to the other side. They don't just have to like experience the gut-wrenching pain that they caused others and then it's uh, it's gone. It doesn't work that way. It comes through effort. Okay. Which is really no different than what we do here every day. So I don't see any dramatic change there. Uh, another great question is when we pass away, do we actually go in front of God and have to review our life and any successes or failures or um, fears there? Is that a real thing? Yes, it's a real thing. Uh, you could call it God. You could call it the universe. You could call it your higher mind. You could call it whatever you want. Um, but it is something you're going to need to do. And you may not... Um, you know, just do it in the sense that you are watching almost like a movie, like a review of your life. Um, and then that's sort of it. It's something you're going to tap back into for however long um, you are on the other side, growing and working even in other dimensions and doing other things. And let's face it, when and if you choose to reincarnate, um, you will continue to tap into that past life and to review it and use the tools and the wisdom or the weaknesses and the unfinished business um, to pertain to your current life contract. So yes, that does absolutely go on. Um, we are going to talk about a couple key things that I find intriguing. All right. And then I'm going to switch this over to you, Christina. So what I like about the readings that I do, psychic mediumship readings, every now and again, I really irritate a client. And I find that fascinating because someone will come through from the other side and in spirit say to them, I'm helping you with this. I'm helping you with this. I want to give you love and encouragement in this area. And my client will get furious with me about this and be like, no, no more. And I'm like, okay, no more. That's fine. I didn't wasn't really paying attention to you. Obviously I'm trying to listen to the spirit. You know what I mean? And it's my job to deliver whatever comes through. So if you say no more, I'm going to say no more. I'm going to cut off communication. That's fine. However, how the heck did they not find any of that beneficial to them? And so I started asking several years ago, why are you so mad? And they'll get, they'll get mad at me, you know? And, uh, they will say, because that was a horrible person, because that person who came through, you know, did me, did me wrong. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, or they'll say to me, you can't possibly be channeling that person you say you are. You're wrong. I'm like, look, I know what I'm doing. Okay. I'm not wrong. What happened here is that this person did cross over into the light. Therefore, they have to abide by the laws of the light, which says, I will grow, I will change, I will work out the karma, I will feed the universal good and higher vibration, and I will continue to fix whatever I didn't do right or I did wrong. So they're in debt to you. So I will be like, listen, you may not like them. You don't have to even interact with them, but I would take the goods. If I were you, I would take whatever benefits I can get from karmic debt that's owed to me from wherever, you know? So I just find that one interesting. And people can change very uh, dramatically when they cross over to the other side. So it's not at all, you know, 
uncommon to have someone say that can't be the loved one. I know they're acting different. You know, they're not so like rigid, um, or, you know, sarcastic or dark. Yeah. Because they had to let that go. They're evolving. You should try to do it too someday. Okay. Uh, then, you know, I see a lot of, um, interesting energy in regards to someone who suffered for a really long time. Um, and maybe they even physically looked gray or really sick or decrepit and then they cross. And when the body is now deceased, it actually looks better. So the sweet release of death is something we really want to embrace more than what we do. Now, we don't live in a society, especially here in America, where we have assisted suicide. We treat our dogs and our cats and our pets better than we treat our humans because there's a for-profit medical system here. But, you know, the idea of um, assisted suicide is not at all something that the universe um, sees as uh, toxic or demonic or low-level energy, right? That's a constructed concept to feed um, the for-profit medical system and the church and things like this, you know, the government. So we we see proof of this when we look at people who have been forced to suffer for extended periods of time with a slow death process, and they look better they look better deceased. The body looks better at the funeral than it did, you know, for, I mean, that just, I don't know why it blows my mind. Um, but I always find that surprising and to see how happy they are on the other side and how happy they are for that sweet release. It's really a beautiful thing that we need to celebrate more. Um, and I have a million other things, but I don't want service to go, um, way over. So I'm just going to pick one more of these, I would say that something I also find really interesting, and I'm watching this with two people in my life as we speak, women who are pushing 98, 99 years old, why is it that some older people will not go? What the heck keeps them hanging on to a life that has no real value for them anymore? They're they're miserable when they're here on the earth plane. A lot of them have dementia or Alzheimer's, or, you know, um, they really spend a lot of time on the other side um, and they're miserable when they come back to the earth plane. Um, you know, they they just seem to sleep all the time. They have no appetite. Their body's falling apart. You know, they're really stressed and nervous and, um, you know, trying to constantly fix things all day long. There's no quality of life. What the heck keeps them hanging on? And I have narrowed it down recently to two things. All these older people, especially the women, okay, seem to have two different things going on. And that is that they were raised in such strict religious um, or like especially with Catholicism guilt where they do not believe it's okay to embrace death. They think that that is somehow demonic or they're inviting uh, negativity, you know, in. Uh, they will not talk to God. Uh, they think it's a sin to speak to God and to say, please take me, take me home. And also, so they're terrified of that. Um, and also, uh, they are not used to taking care of themselves. So I say again, especially with women, women who have spent their entire lives being of service to others, their family, their spouse, their children, they don't ever learn how to say, it's me time. I'm going to do what I need to do for me. Now, because they never learned that, 
God bless them. We have hospice workers and things who will often step in and tell the family, you're going to have to tell her it's okay to go. You're going to have to whisper in her ear that she should take care of herself right now, that all us kids are going to take care. We're going to take care of ourselves. You know, that we want this for you. We want this for you. We want you to go on and to be happy. You've done a good job. You've done all the work you need to do. And it's really sad to watch. Um, and so, you know, that's another area where I think we need to do better uh, for sure. All right. So uh, the afterlife absolutely exists. People want proof all the time. <laughs> I can come up with that in a million different ways. Christina, Reverend Christina, uh, what do you have to say on this topic? And, and how do you feel that you have found proof uh, of the afterlife through astrology? Well, I just want to say my proof when I was growing up, like you, you just ask the grandmas, any grandmas you have around, they always have stories of things they've seen or, mm -hmm. you know, things that they know. So like that, I, I clung to that when I was little, like, you know, the stories that my grand, my grandmother and my, both my grandmothers would tell me, but, um, in astrology, we, you know, certain planets represent certain things. And Neptune is an outer planet. Uranus is an outer planet. And so is Pluto. So whenever you read um, or listen to people's near-death experiences, the ones who have seen the light and they go toward the light, I would definitely say that, you know, that is Neptune. Um, you, get, you get a glimpse that there is an afterlife with Neptune. And everybody gets that glimpse eventually. And Uranus, Uranus is the planet that really gives us those flashes, um, those little nuggets where we're like, hmm, I can't explain that. Can't explain why um, my grandma had a dream. My grandfather told her something and then she went and go and, and found it. You know what I mean? Like there, there's people... The older you get, the more you kind of know there's something out there. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's something out there. Um, I, I kind of, oh, in the South Node too. Um, the South Node has to do with your past lives. The North Node has to do with what you came here in this life. And, you know, karma, like, you know, we, we're talking about karma, but karma is also carried into your next incarnation as well. So... Um, certain amounts, you know, of karma. So and that can be shown in your chart. Um, and Pluto is really, you know, it, it is the planet of death. Um, it's, you know, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Um, it, it's, it's that, you know, regeneration planet. So even though the body is dying here, um, the soul is moving on and it's going to level, you know, it's going to go to these higher realms um, as Ivy was talking about, and in order, you know, in order to, um, you know, actually go to the light and go into the light and embrace everything, you have to be willing to let go of the path, you know, let go of your humans and your human life. And it's not like you'll never see them again. It's just, you got to let the human stuff go. Um, that remember earth is only a school. It's, it's just a school for a certain amount of time. Um, I did hear, it's just interesting though, if we go back, let's go back to, you know, the 1800s or, and before, um, death was in the house. 
like if a family member was going to die, it was in the living room, basically. You know, we put the, the, you know, you put the bed in there and then, you know, everybody was preparing for it. You know what I mean? It was a family event. And, you know, everybody, everybody watched it, you know, and I'm sure it was horrible. But at the same time, they got to die with their loved ones, you know, around them and they were home. And um, people had a more real idea of what, you know, that there was an afterlife, you know, and, and that there was what death was. So I think they tried to live a little better. I think that we we hide death now. We we hide all of that. Nobody likes to talk about it. Nobody wants to deal with it. So we just kind of, you know, brush it under the rug. And we actually like we don't even really know what we're doing because, um, really, it's like until recently, everybody died of traumatic death or infection. So the life expect the life expectancy was only like 47 in 1900 in the United States. And you know it was like in the 1950s it was 68. So and and now um it's like 76. So people are getting older and older and and you know we just we don't have a good model of transitioning to the to the afterlife. And it, it's you know, thank, thankfully, we have the hospice workers who, you know, are very skilled in letting people go and, you know, and telling them it's all right to go. Hospice workers will also often say, oh, he, you know, he's going to die. He just saw his mother. And, you know, and a doctor might be like, no, he's got a while. And they're like, no, trust me. He's got, you know, the nurses always know this. And he's he saw his mother. He's gone. You know, and because they do come for you. The cats know too. What's that? Well, the cats. So a lot of it, like these old folks homes where they have cats wandering yeah. around, the cat will go sit on whoever is about to go. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So, so these are things that see we don't even know because it's all hidden away. You know, mm -hmm. we're hiding in nursing homes and we're hiding mm -hmm. it in places. Um, and I, I just think that it gives us a false sense of life because we're not living until, you know, we don't really get what death is and we don't get that there's, and, and we don't really even have to think about it really because, and you know, we, we think, oh, death is so sad. Oh my God. But, but what about the afterlife? You know, I, I just think we have a wrong idea <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we so much, and I know growing up, it was probably worse. Um, now people are a little more open about it, but it really did seem like the end all <laughs> when you died. Um, you know, like it, you hear it on TV, you know, like that's it. That's that's the end. Well, it's just the end of this, <laughs> this physical. This is it's not the end end. Right. So um, I don't think that that's like spoken enough. Um, yeah, like or, we, or or that horrible saying, you only get this one life. This is it. This is all <laughs> you have. And I'm like, who? where'd you get that idea? <laughs> like, Well, I think like, you know, knowing that there's karma. And knowing that there is an afterlife, I mean, wouldn't that make you live better? I don't know. I mean, it just makes me want to get everything yeah. done so I can go yeah, into it. You know, <laughs> exactly. Um, but with the clinging is the ego. You know, when when people cling to the body or when they cling to their children, it's, it's really hard. I'm sure it's really hard to get rid of that ego. But unless you know what an ego is, it's really hard to let go of it. 
So, um, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's hard. And, and I also, I heard this on TikTok the other day, you know, we all used to die of infections. We all used to, um, die of, you know, sudden death, those two things. And now because of antibiotics and sanitation, we're all dying slowly. We don't realize this. It's not just so-and-so and so-and-so. Everybody's dying slowly. You know what I mean? Unless, you know, something major happens, but, um, you know, we need to, you know, we, we need to push for the, the quality of the life while we're here, good karma. And then, you know, it actually looking like looking forward to the afterlife at some point as a beautiful transition and not something so scary. Um, I think, I just think more needs to go into it. I've read several books of people who have had near death experiences. Um, I've heard many stories, um, my dad actually had a near-death experience. Um, he was um, cardiac arrest, but they got to him very quickly. So he um, he didn't really have a whole lot of time in between because they got to him really fast and did CPR. He did not see a light or anything like that. And I know that some don't, but there are many who do. Um, and I think that, you know, it wasn't his time, obviously, Um but he did have angels with him because when he had his cardiac arrest and he essentially died, there just happened to be, you know, a fireman who ran over and did CPR, you know. So, yes, your angels are with you. Your um, your protectors are there. Um, yeah, we we are just we're we're not in alignment with the process, I feel like. And we it needs to be more celebrated kind of like what you were saying rather than feared so much um and also too like i think that you know we need to revisit and contemplate um our fears around it you know around death and around the afterlife because you know that's shadow work we we are afraid of it you know as a society we're very afraid of it because it's unknown but the more we talk about it the more we put it out there i think that you know that's it's going to help matters um, and we, we, we all need, we all need, we all need faith. <laughs> we all have to have, if, even if you don't believe, okay, I don't know what's over there. I'm not sure, but you have to make that leap of faith because there's no way to get there. Otherwise mm -hmm. you're going to be, you know, you will stay earthbound. You will stay in sort of a, and earthbound is just kind of like staying almost like a purgatory, right? Not really purgatory, but it's like you're not going anywhere. You're not advancing and you're just kind of hanging around, right? So I think that like um, if you have somewhat of spiritual beliefs and so many people are so turned off by the church, you know, they're so turned off by um, what they heard when they were little that they just kind of get rid of all of it and they don't want to talk about any of it. But that's, you know, that's the beauty of, you know, Pluto going into Aquarius, hopefully we will see um, more people following a spiritual path where they're using their intuition, they're using their psychic gifts to lead them rather than, you know, people telling you what you should believe. You know what I mean? Like, because you're, you can go back, you can go back and check what Ivy's saying. All right. You know, like, ask your loved one, does this happen? You know, ask for signs, like they will give you signs. Mm -hmm.
Uh, oh, and it, I have seen that too, um, where you were talking about the body looks better sometimes yep. right at the end of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes they have some kind of like, you know, like my grandma, she couldn't get up at all. You know what I mean? But right before she died, she sat straight up in the bed and mm-hmm. she called out her first husband's name and she pointed. Wow. And um, and then she laid back and she died, you know. So it's like, um, or a lot of people, you know, like a like or, you know, if you have arthritis or something, and your like hands are all like this, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see your loved one and you're like, you know, your hands are like this, and, or come get me, you know. I think I saw this one that said, "Come get me," and they had like, you know, they were like this before, but then when that happened, you know, it's it, because they're releasing it. It's right. A, a common phenomenon is that they will reach up even if they have been completely incapable of doing that from a stroke or whatever, arthritis, whatever, whatever, they reach up mm-hmm. and they're reaching at, you know, who's coming to and them I, and where they want to go. Absolutely. And I think even on a, even on a basic science level, I think, you know, science is pretty much accepted that there is a force that they yeah. don't know what causes it. So right. like, so it's, it's even on that basic level, you're like, Oh, I don't believe blah, blah, blah. But even science is recognizing all of this stuff now. So, you know, we're, we're getting into that good old Aquarius, Aquarius scientific, um, you know, time where I think there's going to be, you know, I think there's going to be more talk about it. There's going to be more, um, more people, more, more people gathering and more people like me doing more spiritual celebrations rather than funerals, things like that. Well, and some research just came out. I think it was on NBC, maybe. I don't remember what I was watching, uh, I want to say two nights ago. And mm-hmm. uh, Christina, I sent you the link. Um, I don't oh, know. I did watch that. Yeah. Watch it. But in the news, so on like, you know, major national news, uh, there was some research that just came out about the death process in the afterlife, which I thought was really timely with all this. Mm-hmm. And they were discussing from a scientific med- medical perspective why the uh, research shows um, and can now prove what people who've had near-death experiences are saying all the time in regards to the amount of time our brain is still active after death. Did anybody see this? Did anyone see this in the news? Um, please post if you did and post where the heck that was that was posted because I don't even remember um, NBC. Anyways, so uh, essentially what they're saying now is that they thought that the brain only lived for a few minutes and it's at least an hour. They are finding activity for at least an hour. Okay. Which freaked me out because I'm thinking, well, does that mean you can come back? Probably not so much. <laughs> not to make this worse, everyone's going to have nightmares. Um, I don't think it's a situation where you could like pop back into your body an hour later necessarily and pull like a Jesus Christ move, but the brain is working for an hour, right? So we now know that. I mean, that's huge. We're talking a matter of minutes to an hour. I mean, look at just that one piece of research, okay? That leap. In, uh, in regards to what we don't know. And so, yeah, so all these, you know, scientists and researchers were saying, yeah, all these near-death experiences, this makes 100% sense with what we're seeing now in the brain scans and whatnot. Now, uh, 
Also, I just wanted to play off a couple things that Christina said. I do want to remind you guys at this time, donations are appreciated. Please give this video a thumbs up, drop a comment, post your prayer and healing requests now, and post any of your questions or comments. We are about to take them on all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Um, also, uh, there was a woman who came to town here in Fredonia and just spoke at the opera house. I forget her name, um, but she did a lecture on the undertakers. It was called. And I was so excited to get to go because my, the gig I had that night was canceled. So I feel like I sort of manifested the rain. Um, but I was hoping to get to go see her and I did. And it was really wild. Christina, you just mentioned back in the day we died in the home. Well, she talked about how we were all the original undertakers. Our family would not only die in the home, we laid them out in the home and we buried them in the yard. What do you think that did for the connection that we had when they weren't going off and getting cremated or we didn't have to drive off to some cemetery? Maybe we moved away from the, you know, whatever. It was like we, we had this full experience from beginning to end, so to speak, of this person going through the death process and then our ability to have that ceremony. And a lot of it was more celebratory, um, even right down to taking pictures with the dead body. It's just some weird stuff. Um, That's still done, though. I mean, people still take so pictures done. at the funeral. I remember my yeah. uncle doing it at a funeral and everyone being like, he's crazy. And I'm like, yeah. well, he's taking a picture with a dead body next to the casket. And like, yeah, everyone thinks he's nuts. But like, I don't know. There was something about it that didn't seem that off to me. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. Yeah, 100%. You know, but then for them to be buried in your yard or on your land, so you had all your family there. And these houses were handed down, you know, from generation to generation. And so um, there was sort of a, a sense of closure, I think, with all of that, because the renewal of life also got to really um, continue and be more easily recognized because the body was still there. So the spirits have an easier time coming through and communicating. You recognize them more easily, you know, when you're still in the space where they are, all of that. This is another reason why a lot of people won't move away if their spouse dies, you know, or they lose a child. They're like, I'm not leaving this house, you know, and that's not the right way to live necessarily, but it's true that it helps with connection. And one other thing I want to mention before we get to your questions and comments, um, Chris, like Christina said, we need to respect the death process more than what we do. We are so now disassociated from it because it is locked away behind closed doors, never to be seen. And then we are fed the fear of that that day, you know, a one day approaching. We've talked on this channel quite a lot um, here at Ask Ivy, but in general and at church about Jurassicophobia which is the terrifying anxiety disorder associated with the aging process, right? Which society feeds all the time. And, um, you know, capitalism is able to make a ton of money off of us to prevent the aging process, which is essentially what? To prevent the death process. Okay, it's all connected. So look at the bigger picture. And I remember my grandmother uh, who was getting up there in age and had to be put in, a, in an old folks home. You know, the first home we had her in was beautiful. There were chandeliers and, you know, home cooked meals and beautiful woodwork and a winding staircase. And she punched a couple nurses in the face and she got kicked out, you know, and then she eventually ended up having to go to a county home 
where she had to watch her mother pass away for 27 years trapped in a hospital bed, unable to speak or communicate. You know, she couldn't um, even get what she needed for herself, go to the bathroom, eat nothing. Right. So my grandma had to go to the same place where her mother had been trapped for over 25 years and live out the rest of her life. And my grandmother was not only fighting it physically, she, with the nurses and the staff, she would escape. And she knew that place like the back of her hand. So she was escaping down uh, out the doors and crossed the main road into the woods like a cat would do, right? Like a dog would do, like an instinctual animal of any kind would do, wanting to get back in touch with nature and the earth, right? Nature is our church. And eventually they took my grandmother, they put her all the way up on the third floor with an anklet. And this woman was still somehow getting by the cameras, getting into the elevator and escaping down and into the woods by the creek. And they would have to go get her. Now, what does this say about the way we disrespect the passing process? How we will not allow people to go. Now, granted, you know, they have insurance for insurance purposes and, you know, they don't want to get sued and they are responsible to take care of her and to make sure she doesn't do anything. But in Australia, for example, they have they've come up with these death pods, assisted suicide pods, where you can just pick your color pod and your music and you go in and it's sort of like a more humane, you know, gas chamber for yourself. What does this say when we will not allow people to choose the way that they go or to get their own personal space and um, the terror that it causes and how that energy spreads, you know, like rapid fire out to the rest of us. It is going on everywhere, mostly behind closed doors, but you are surrounded and embedded in that type of toxicity. And that is not what the death process should look like. And that is not reflective of what the afterlife actually is. So no, and we, we don't know what we're doing. We no, really we don't. don't know what we're doing that struck me. If we could rename title this, it would be that we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. Hundred percent no, because we've been cut off from it. Yes, and that it's, it's not helping anybody who wants to live in a nursing home for the rest of their years. You know what I mean? Like it's just not it's not helping anybody. Crazy stuff. All right, so let's take a look here at questions or comments. Jill, our beautiful producer, is going to be popping those up. Um, Mary says, I'm experiencing more and more conversations with friends and family where when it comes to death and the end, quality of life is more important than quantity. This is a big difference from when I was growing up, a good thing. There are still those that cling, though, and it's very sad that they view even natural death so tragically, 100%. And I think a lot more people because we don't want to get caught up in this for-profit dragged out system, um, this inhumane system. Um, you know, a lot of people are coming up with private little contracts with each other. You know, we're going to Thelma and Louise it. <laughs> I'll take you out. You take me out. I'll do time to get you out of here. You know, whatever we have to do. And I think those are conversations that are far more common and normal than what we want to admit to. Mary, thank you for that. Christina, anything to say? Um, I think that, you know, we are, we have a lot of drugs that extend life now and they're being pushed like crazy, but they're not necessarily, you know, they're not 
quality of life. Yeah. It's more about quantity. So we definitely need to get back to that quality piece, you know, and, and we just, I just don't feel like we're doing it quite right. But the conversations are the first thing. It's where it has to start, yeah. you know. And we have another question or comment coming in here from, and I want to say, Lucy, thank you for the donation. Uh, so Lucy says, so many questions, but one I'll ask is once our loved one has crossed over, uh, can they go back to the past? Okay. Or they can go back to the past. I have memories growing up where I feel like my sister was watching me being young. Um, I believe in time travel entirely. And I brought it up earlier on one of the points I made, I don't recall which one, but where I talked about um, uh, almost like karma playing out um, when we get to the other side and how we can uh, reincarnate and still be doing this time travel, still be going to the past. Christina, you mentioned something similar to that. So I think it all overlaps. Yeah, I think, too, we have to remember that time is only an earth construct. Yes. So there really isn't time on the other side. So, yeah, I guess in, in essence that could happen. Yeah, definitely. And I would say that that's, that's one of the biggest um, changes that I've always found um, sort of exciting. It's really something to celebrate is that when someone does cross over to the other side, one of the first things they often mention is that there is no more time construct. So there's not that pressure, that crushing pressure of time to get things done. Mm -hmm. All right. We have any other questions or comments coming in here? Uh, Mary has another one. Most people don't understand that when we cross into the light, we shed that human skin and all the humanness that goes along with it when ego is gone and we are able to review our lives and the ones that were in it experiences encounters we had from a more universal perspective and understanding hundred percent. And who doesn't want to do that? You know, I just think it's so we, so many, you know, people maybe want to cling to life here but like, why haven't you had enough? I mean, at some point, don't you want to get on to other things? Aren't you curious mm -hmm. about what else? You and know, my, my um, my friend just had her father die, and she had a near death, or she she had a vision. He came through as an orb. Love so it. like, he was actually in the hos in hospice, and they told the family to go home, you know, so they can die. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was folding her clothes, and she said the orb came through the window. And then she said he always used to like dance or like shake a little bit. And she said the orb did this like he did. And then it kind of looked at her and then he kind of went out the window and she said she knew at that moment. And then the phone rang and she got the phone call. So like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like the, the ego was gone, but yet like the essence was there, mm -hmm. you know? hundred percent. And, and your loved ones who've crossed over, they may come through as like swirls of light or like streams of color or balls of light orbs, the most common thing to see hundred percent. So cool. I know. I love it. Uh, we have another question or comment or we are at time. Uh, I think we have another one coming in here. 
Okay, a bunch of people are saying the same, the same. Okay, we are at time. All right, wonderful. Um, I did want to announce before we wrap up today, um, I just wanted to thank everyone for following Roots Revival. Um, over the years, I officially became a federally recognized, we're not only a church, but we are our own separate religion. And that was a 10-year battle because they were always trying to force me to go under Christianity um, or the spiritualist religion. And I don't agree with either of those religions. Okay, 100%. I'm open to everything. But I did not want us to be categorized there. So we are official. Um, and I want to thank everyone for your continued support. We are Roots Revival is its own religion and church. And thank you, Christina and all the producers um, who've been supporting all these years. Uh, we are uh, going to wrap up with any last word, Christina. Um, you want me to, to go you know, like talk about these things with your family members. Yeah, that's the best way, you know, like talk about their wishes and talk about you know, what they want that to look like. And I don't know, like, you know, and maybe even, you know, if you have a loved one who's going to cross over, tell them to, you know, give the, give you a sign. Think of three things that will be, you know, what you decide mutually, the signal they will send when they are crossed over and, and good, you know, because they usually send the signs anyway, but you didn't predetermine them. So I'm saying if you have somebody close or, you know, you're able to talk to them like this, ask them the signs. You know, I have mine written down with my mom, you know, and I have, you know, I, I, like I, you never know. So I think, you know, more celebrate the afterlife than to fear it. I love that. Um, amen. So I would say uh, last word, I think one of the things we need to work on the most is coming up with a game plan to get out of the money-making entrapment system um, that is our society uh, using us as like cash cows for the death process and keeping us trapped. I think that if you take on more of an attitude about your life and death process, that you are empowered, that you will handle it on your own terms, that you will not succumb um, to the system and allow them to take advantage of you, um, I think you're going to feel more at ease about the majority of it. And um, I don't care what the opinions are on that uh, as far as it being like, you know, uh, you know, negative or it being demonic. It's not true. It's not true. It is up to you to decide what's best for you. And that is in alignment with the um, higher vibration in the universe. So feel free to do so. And again, just like Christina said, have more conversations about it. It's okay for us to do that. Okay. Uh, you guys, it was such a pleasure being back here with you at Roots Revival. We will be back in a few weeks. Uh, so please continue to follow. Give this video a thumbs up and um, post your prayer and healing requests, even if you're tuning into this after it's published, because Christina and I do go back and we um, pray over your requests and we offer manifestation boosts. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Jill. Yeah. See you guys soon. Have a good night. Good night.